0: Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Manavati. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan, and with the podcast now back in mostly full effect for 2019, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring back the guy who represents the proverbial Cal Naughton Jr. to my Ricky Bobby of this podcast, and that would be my buddy John. So, John, how's it going? Shake and bake.
1: Shake and bake. No, it's going well, man. I've missed doing these podcasts, so it's good to get back in it.
0: It's amazing how few options there are for recording Skype things on on the Mac computer. You know, I I thought life would be much easier with the Mac and by and large it's been cool, but it's kinda like learning to do everything left handed.
1: So you paid more money and got less features good Uh, job
0: yeah in a lot of cases i I do like the computer it's more stable but in many cases and it's not as stupid as windows computers in many cases but it's also in many cases it's more needlessly complicated so good job steve jobs all right so apple bashing notwithstanding although it's easy says the person with an iphone and apple computer and an apple watch and an apple tv um, amidst,
1: I have Apple stock.
0: <laughs> given all of that, uh, amidst this crazy ass NBA offseason, you know. Myself and John, we didn't really get, and our buddy Neil, we didn't really get a chance to talk about everything that went down. And there's obviously plenty of shit that went down, uh, especially with the wizards, with the two of us, outside of the conversations that we've been able to have when we meet up and life allows it. And, you know, people aren't busy having kids, namely myself, and all of those things. And in the ongoing group me thread, since no one in our main group me thread says anything anymore. So we have, we keep ours going with our buddy Neil. Um, point of all this diatribe going, it's been long overdue. But you know, if we felt like we want to kind of take a deeper dive on all the stuff that the Wizards did or didn't do this off season, uh, and kind of take a closer look at that, given the fact that we haven't been able to do so, and we're kind of in the calm before the storm before football season starts, um, so we'll use that before everything kind of segues to football to again talk about the Wizards. But all right, it's been a wild ass off season. The East, the landscape obviously changed. The West the landscape obviously definitely changed. But your general thoughts on where the Wizards now? stand have with everything having shook out
1: i think they basically stand the same as they were last year where you know they're in no man's land they're they're going nowhere fast and i think the new front office has a very challenging task ahead of them getting this this team that has gotten way off track back in the right direction and so you know arnie grunfeld the, the The day he was fired was one of the happiest days of this year, which isn't saying much because it's been a pretty, pretty uh, challenging year, but he was just an awful, awful GM. And it finally took this disastrous season for Ted Leonsis to realize how bad things were.
0: I keep thinking of, so I remember distinctly in terms of my sports fandom, one of the greatest days of the last two decades of rooting for DC sports teams and this should tell you how terrible it is was the day Vinny Serrato got fired in 2009 and I can remember that day pretty vividly um and we brought in jo- uh Bruce Allen obviously that turned out to be great um but <laughs> I-, I distinctly remember what that day was like and for you know there's you know the Wizards are obviously not the Redskins there's very po- it's very pocketed in terms of their a fans. but I parallel though but I feel like Every time I keep thinking about the day they fired Erich Grunfeld, it just remind me of the end of the first third Star Wars film when like when Darth Vader dies and like the entire galaxy is just like in this massive colossal celebration like holy shit Darth is dead. I feel like all of Wizards fandom was the was the galaxy or universe or whatever the hell you call it at the star War, at the end of Star Wars. I think it's Return of the Jedi. I think it's that one. And at the end of that, yeah, we
1: we're, we're like the Ewoks playing drums and. It's just there's, women.
0: There's fireworks and everything. Like when 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 that happened. That's what I feel like happened with Ernie Grunfeld's firing.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it. was a it was a pretty pretty big celebration, and 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 the fact that it happened before the season even ended. Like he didn't. Ted didn't even wait. And then the, the other part about it that remember when they they. Fired Randy Whitman, and we were kind of like, all right, well, that's good. And then they took zero time to hire Scott Brooks. Like, they literally interviewed Scott Brooks and nobody else. And then that was it. And you're like, couldn't you maybe have done a little bit more due diligence? And then this time around, they did like almost too much due diligence to the point that it got embarrassing.
0: So I slightly disagree with that. I think there's another parallel to be drawn with the Scott Brooks thing because they fired Randy Whitman with all their eggs in the Scott Brooks basket. And we always obviously know how that turned out. And I think as has been well documented, if they had 10 eggs, they put eight of their eggs in the Tim Connolly basket and then two of them in the Masayu Jiri basket or seven and three or however you want to look at it. But point being, we put all, right. all of our eggs in those two baskets, fully knowing that like Tommy Shepard was the guy, he was like, he, as we, I think we equated, like, he was the girl that, like, you knew when you asked her to go on the date, she's going to say yes, so why not swing for the fences for the two really hot girls, so to speak?
1: Right, yeah, it, if you lose, it doesn't matter, because you, you still got that one waiting at home. Exactly. That's just sitting by the phone. Right. Waiting for that drunk dial call.
0: Precisely, for the you-up call, right? Like... That's 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 who brought, uh, who uh, who Tommy Shepard was for us, and I mean, obviously the Tim Connolly thing had some traction. The Masayu Ujiri thing—it was a thing, regardless of how much Ted Leonsis wants to deny it wasn't a thing. It was a very well documented thing. I
1: absolutely believe that was a thing. Oh yeah, and and I don't blame him. The guy just won a championship with the biggest ballsy move that a front office manager has ever made, and it totally totally succeeded. The guy clearly wants to rebuild a team. We have a team that needs rebuilding, and he has political interests. What better place than Washington, D.C. to be? And they wanted to give him the keys to the kingdom and a butt-ton of money. So they definitely threw the bone out there, and I was kind of a little surprised that he didn't even sniff at it.
0: The reason why I was surprised is because Toronto, the Toronto folks, or whoever the ownership group is over there, they're like, I don't care what it'll take. Whatever it'll take, we'll keep Ujiri here. Right. So they made that very clear. They're like, we'll make the Godfather offer if we need to make the Godfather offer. But Ujiri has to look at the writing on the wall that in a few years, that team isn't going to be competitive either. And, you know, they. But they
1: have way more assets. Because, like, think about it this year. they They have. Markusault that is on one one year deal. Landry's on a or Lowry's on a one year deal, and Ibaka's on a one year deal. Those are all veteran tradable assets that can return things um, at the trade deadline, or he could do it sooner than that, whenever. So he actually has movable parts that can assist the rebuild, and he already has a potential star in the making, or not necessarily all star all-star in the making. Um, so he, he definitely has pieces there and then he still has, you know, role players. So he, he has way more, whereas the wizards have Bradley Beal and a uh, bucket of fried chicken.
0: And the albatross that is John Wall's contract, which right. we which is devote an entire podcast to that if we so chose to, but we'd rather not for the purposes of this. But, you know, we ended up, point being, we ended up with Tommy Shepard. Okay. So it felt a little bit of like winning Which, the, mis- the Miss Congeniality Award, but I think, you know, there, if we're going to keep talking about parallels, there's a little bit of a parallel here with how things shook out between going from George McPhee on the Capitol side to George Brian, McPhee. Brian yeah. McClellan, and it feels a little bit yep. at the risk of cautious optimism of us doing the same thing.
1: Yeah, and I, and I actually, I've always felt that Tommy Shepard would be an upgrade over Ernie Grenfell, I had no doubt in my mind that he would be an upgrade because right, Ernie was just that putrid. Um, I did find it interesting that that uh, Ted basically spent the summer talking to anybody and everybody that he could uh, to try and develop an organizational culture that would be successful. So you know, he was talking. I forget what uh, he he hired not a hiring firm, but they hired a consultant that uh, Adam Silver suggested um, to help facilitate building the structure of the organization and how to develop the proper culture and put him in contact with Greg Popovich and talk to Steve Kerr and a bunch of other – Jerry West. I think – did he talk to Bill Belichick even or something? I don't know. I mean they were, they were all over the place with uh, successful organizations and one of the models that, that he wanted to mimic was the Clippers. Yes, And I think with the other moves that they made, that kind of uh, fits in place with that because they went really, they're starting to get heavily based in analytics and they're building their developmental team. And I really thought the Sashi Brown move, I was shocked and surprised when I saw that. I was like, "That's, that's pretty sneaky good.
0: So there's a lot to unpack in everything you just said. I agree with pretty much everything you said. Um, I it's pretty documented that I was very tepid about the Shepard hiring at first because I felt like it was again using the miscongeniality metaphor that we struck out asking the two hot girls and we ended up with the girl by the phone. But Shepard said something which instantaneously made me do a one eighty on him. Shepard is quoted. Is as Was it said, about Dwight Howard? Uh no. That, but that would have probably that would have done the same effect. But Shepard is quoted as saying. I don't ever want to say, let's go get the eighth spot. And I think when he said that, I was like, okay, that means there's a change because let's go get the eighth playoff spot or the eighth seed might as well be the epitaph on Ernie Grunfeld's tombstone. Like that is how that asshole stayed here so long is because he seduced Ted for so long saying, I can get you I can just barely slip into the playoffs. Two playoff games, and I can get you two home playoff games. I've maintained for years that that's all Ernie Grunfeld did to save his job and was showing Ted the revenue he could get from two extra playoff games, two extra home games, and that's the only reason he stayed. And I'm thoroughly believe as well that the only reason Ernie Grunfeld even lasted that long this season and only got fired at the point he did was when the Wizards got eliminated from potentially being in the eighth spot in the East. Once that happened, he's like, "Yeah, because it." Ted was like, "Get lost." They,
1: they were kind of making moves, right? They, they were starting to play better after the All Star break because Bradley Beal was just on a complete and utter tear.
0: If they didn't believe that they had but, a chance yeah. at the eighth spot, they wouldn't have traded for Trevor Ariza.
1: Well, that was oh my god! What an awful, awful move because basically we we got nothing out of that. We we traded Kelly Oubre and got zero return.
0: But going just, back to oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I, it that was just... I, I hated the move in the moment. And it I it just looks even worse in time because Trevor Arizu was such a shell.
0: It looks even worse now than it did at the time. And at the time, it looked terrible. It was widely panned by yeah. all the Wizards fan, And it looks even worse now, which is always a great. When a fart smells bad to begin with and then the fart lingers for longer and longer and longer and it intensifies, I mean, that's what this deal was, right? But...
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: To your other point, I I also agree a lot that the infrastructure they've built. I'm very still skeptical about Leonzis. I think I I I'm, It's going to take a lot for me to turn to do that 180 on Leonzis, But I think if nothing else, you have to give credit wherever that credit may be due for not only Shepherd. I like Shepherd. I'm warming up to him again. The comedy made about the eighth seed love that but there is a lot of really good brain power around him and i think that's the thing that makes me really interested like you said it they've the the two things for them are if are analytics and culture that's that's their that they're gonna live and die by that for better for worse right so like his right hand guy brett greenberg local guy former vp of analytics and salary cap management the guy's worked under Coach K. He's worked under, the, worked for the Miami Heat. He's in the Miami Heat are kind of one of the forefront or the forerunners of analytics. Very quietly, not a lot of people talk about that, but they're a team that was very, very heavily steeped in analytics um, earlier on than most people realize. So he's grown up a little bit there. He's worked for some really smart people. Uh, I the Sashi Brown thing is going to look really, really bad to at a knee jerk reaction because he was associated with the shit show of Hugh Jackson, but. People fail to realize that the current state of the Cleveland Browns putting on the football hat for a second and the fact that they had so many assets to rebuild that team, which they have used to rebuild that team. They have a lot
1: of misses, though. They
0: have a lot of misses, but that again, so that was the foot. That was, the, that foot, was the whole point of acquiring the assets. Exactly.
1: Is so that when you do miss, it doesn't completely kill you and the, the hits will outweigh the misses and they definitely have shown that in Cleveland.
0: The treasure the treasure trove of assets was the what Sashi Brown got them. Did he do anything with them or did he pick the right people? Of course not. You know, passing on Carson Wentz and passing on Deshaun Watson is always going to look worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, right? But at this point, you can at least say one thing, that Sashi Brown's not making the basketball decisions. If nothing else, if he's going to be the guy who's going to help kind of develop or, you know, do the money ball mentality and bring in, potentially be the guy who helps, you know, engineer a rebuild from the terms of the assets we're using, then, okay, that's great. If we can just do that and be like, don't be the guy that picks the players, give me the guy that gets me the picks.
1: Right. And so, and but the the other thing that you know we've always joked about was that you, myself, and Neil could have done a better job than Ernie Grunfeld. And I always like that you know three heads are better than you know one muppet. And in this case, they've brought a bunch of heads together. They've they formed a, a leadership team, as uh, Ted calls it. And I think that is a proper approach because when you have just one voice, you get one opinion, and uh, I think that always leads to potential disaster unless you have an excellent uh, person leading that. But since I don't have – I like Tommy Shepard. I have faith in him, but I don't have the utmost faith in him. I like that they've supported him with with competent people.
0: And they've also, to your point about leadership team, another term that Lyons has used, it's very buzzy, but I still kind of dig it, is team of teams. And they've got structure in a lot of places, like the whole John Thompson III hiring of kind of being almost like an ombudsman type of position, right? Uh, The Daniel Medina hiring of the the chief athletic care and performance, the guy who's really in charge of the health staff, the the medical staff, the guy who's going to be largely judged on his job performance of how fast and to what percentage can you bring me back John Wall. When he comes back from the Achilles injury, you've got Johnny Rogers, who, to your point about the Clippers, who came from L.A., he was the director of pro personnel there. They basically bumped him up and said, why don't we make you VP? You come here and do the same thing, having worked for smart people. But you're now the pro personnel guy. Uh, you know, there's a lot. And then they plucked a the guy who people consider to be the founding farmer, founding farmers of restaurants on the brain, founding father of basketball analytics in uh, Dean Oliver, they put him on the coaching staff as kind of like this godfather old man on the mountain position. Again, steeped much more in analytics. So they're building infrastructure. Yeah, to your point, they're using a Hydra instead of an old guy who's going to get you, who's going to draft you, Alexey Peturov and, and Jan Vesely being that singular voice.
1: Right. Yeah, I'm also relieved that we won't be constantly drafting Euros.
0: Yeah, that was the thing when, when we had the we were all joking about this leading up to the draft, that if Ernie was running this draft, we're going to end up with Bull Bull or somebody of that nature again. The
1: the, the French guy, who oh, I still can't pronounce his name, that went to the Pistons.
0: Yeah, we, that was that. oh, um, Sekou.
1: That right? screamed Ernie. Oh my yeah.
0: god, yeah. And I mean there was a – with good reason that he was mocked to the Wizards in, in many, many mock drafts because like you know Ernie is going to want to take a toolsy euro who has no skill for basketball whatsoever. But hey, he's a right. toolsy euro.
1: He's super athletic, but he can't play basketball very well. Give me him.
0: So we'll use that as the segue then to the guy the Wizards didn't end up taking as a Tommy Shepherd pick, and it was Rui Hachimura. Now, a lot of people were not in love with this pick among the Wizards fans. I, I think a lot of Wizards fans wanted other players. It baffled me as to why, but a lot of them felt like Bull Bull should have been the guy. A lot of them felt like the the, the Frenchie should have been the guy. I don't really know what their logic was, but a lot of people... Were, Bull Bull
1: was there in the second round exactly. when they uh, took Admiral Schofield. Fabulous name and a good pick. Now
0: The other player that a lot of Wizards fans argued, and I would acknowledge this argument, although there would be major reservations around it, was Cam Reddish. Cam Duke.
1: Reddish. So that was the player I thought they might take and I wouldn't have hated based on where they selected him. And I was completely and utterly surprised when the rookies did their voting and they all voted that Cam Reddish would have the best career out of this draft class. And I just thought to myself, did any of them actually watch the games that they participated in in college last year? Because he does not look like um, an all-star, all-pro player whatsoever. He looks like a dude that can play basketball.
0: See, it's it's so hard to look at it from that perspective because reddish. There's a reason he was a top five recruit, right? Like one of the seven best recruits in the nation last year. Like that just it didn't. Yeah, he has
1: the athletic ability
0: exactly. So you could the devil's advocate argument could be that well he'll take three years to develop, and he wasn't a guy who did it already, as evidenced by the fact that many as a point many people made that when the lights shine their bright as a Duke, Cam Reddish might as well have been on the bench because you sure as shit didn't find him on the floor or doing anything right. on the
1: floor. And and that's exactly the type of player that I want to build my franchise around.
0: Exactly. Right? And I think to the other end, and this might be a cynical view, but it's also a, you know, a realistic view that Rui isn't I don't feel like anyone in their heart of hearts, including the guy the wizard staff who took him, felt like this is LeBron or this is uh Anthony Davis type they, they a want, franchise changer.
1: They were going for we want a reliable player that we can count on that's going to fit or fit the culture that we're looking for. They were they were going for a single or a double on this. They weren't they weren't swinging for the fences at all. So they were going for the solid pick. They went for the guy with the low floor or the high floor, I should high say, floor, yes. low ceiling. Exactly.
0: Yep. So and I think there's a lot of cases that there's a lot of reasons to believe that he has a very high floor, you know, for a guy who is about his size, six foot eight, approximately, you know, there's the footwork, there's the, uh, there's a, the intangibles, and in a lot of cases, he was used to being the guy on a program that had increased national notoriety in, in Gonzaga. And he was used to being the guy for them. I can't remember the guy so at one point Rui was the guy behind the guy. They can't remember the kid's name in Gonzaga, but that guy, whoever was the originally the guy, he got injured for most of the year and that kind of made Rui, you know, the alpha dog, and he lived up to it right. in the in the December tournament or whatever it was against Duke. Like he was in many people's eyes. He was-
1: Dominating that game. That was one of the few college basketball games I did see because I was like, "Ooh, it's Gonzaga," and I get to watch Zion. And that that was I was impressed with uh, Rui in that game.
0: And he drew your attention almost as much as Zion did in that game. And I think, oh that, yeah, you know, like he
1: was the best man on the court.
0: Exactly. And, you know, everybody you talk to just they can't stop gushing about work ethic and tangibles, the ability to grow his game or what he has shown in growing his game. But there was always this talent. It wasn't like he bootstrapped his way up because he had this. Uh, it was I think it was a tournament when he was 17 years old. and It was like a one of those under 17 international tournaments in Dubai. And like he was the best player on the floor on a amongst a bunch of players in the NBA who were lottery picks. So it's not like this guy came out of nowhere. He was on the scene, and in a fact, some people thought when he got to Gonzaga, he was a little disappointing. But he kind of grew into his hype, if you will.
1: Right, and he still has—I mean, he still has somewhat of a, a language barrier that that he's working through, and a culture shock that that I'm sure he had to work through that that probably hampered his early college career.
0: There's a, yeah, so there's raw. To your point, there's rawness, and there's a lot of clay to be molded in the proper direction um now the knocks on him as you said it is like low ceiling potentially potentially that's what a lot of people say that you know he may not have the pure athletic tools to be like you know a superstar that just has to grow into his body um there's a little bit of a thought, school of thought where he's a tweener in the sense that he wants to play much more around the hoop and he's not that great of a shooter. And given his size and given today's space and pace type of floor uh, game on the floor, like where does he fit? Is he a Trevor Booker or glorified type of player like along that end? And then to that point, like may, is it a matter of his size? Is it a matter of his composition? Is it a matter of him being raw? But his defensive upside is also questionable of that. But you can fix defense in large part if you have motor which he clearly does
1: right yeah yeah the biggest part of defense is effort and a lot of guys don't always necessarily put in the effort um i i think i think he'll be fine if if i comp him to another wizard i definitely see him potentially being a better less of a chucklehead than markeith morris definitely not as entertaining because i did love keith but you know he did comment. have some some tendencies. But I, that's that's kind of what I see him. Where it's like he's a solid NBA starter, nowhere near uh, All Star level. But if he's starting on your team, you're kind you. If he's in your starting five, you're okay with it.
0: That's a really good segue because then we but, can kind of talk about what the starting five would look like.
1: The starting. Oh my God, this is. The first time I really started looking at it, and it is it I got a tear in my eye. It is very, very, very sad.
0: It's pretty terrible, isn't so, it? Like,
1: it's, you, you so, so what I'm looking why, at you, is uh, Ish Smith at point guard. Yep. Which which would we can go into another segue on that with Thomas Saturansky. Why didn't they just keep him? Um, Bradley Beal, Troy Brown pencil, penciled in as your three. Roy playing your four because who else is going to do it? and Thomas Bryant cuz otherwise uh uh Davis uh Bertans who we we got because Marcus Morris spurned the Spurs and they wanted to clear cap space and they basically gave him to us for nothing which was awesome cuz he's actually a a nice uh a nice uh stretch four which we haven't we've been trying to get for years and never have had and he kind of fits that mold, and he'll be a good role player off the bench that we got for nothing. So I mean, that was a pretty good move, but you really don't want him starting. But yeah, the rest of that that starting five outside of Beals, that doesn't scare anybody any night.
0: It's pretty terrible. Um, it's funny we you about the starting stretch four. Like they, we we struggled for that position for so long, and um, but now he's. Um, he, we have him, and then you have a really, really, really watered down version of him in Mo Wagner, who was another dump move. We we were joking about that, where like if the if the Lakers are handing away players, you know, the Wizards would be remiss not to be in this conversation. Lo and behold,
1: right? Know, Why not? Yeah. Oh, fuck. when when you're a team that's not any good, you might as well be taking on other teams, bad contracts, or salary dumps to help facilitate them because you're not going anywhere anyway. So. They actually made some of those moves this this year, which they typically have been on the other end of that, t- trying to dump salary. So they 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 did one that was huge in their favor, in my opinion. Was Memphis wanted to uh, lower lower their cap a little bit? So they gave us C J Miles, who's I think is going to be a fairly decent role player for us. I've always hated C J Miles because he's a Wizards killer. Yep. He doesn't play well against anybody else, but against Washington, he's a killer. And we got to get rid of uh, the bum that is known as White Howard, which was a horrible signing at the time. It just went downhill super fast the second he he got to D.C. He was butt hurt before he even started playing. Then he got butt hurt from his ex-lovers. What a train <laughs> wreck. On more than one Tommy's level. Shepherd, <laughs> Tommy Shepard literally said, he said, he, about the Dwight Howard move. He goes he goes, That was a no brainer. Had to make it. I was like, Absolutely. You know, he saw that writing clear as day, made the move, and I actually think it benefits the team because we get a guy off the team that couldn't contribute. I think we are going to get a contributor. So they don't they got those the the Lakers fodder, which I don't think I don't think Mo Wagner's the best one, Isaac Bonga, uh working. the Tariq yeah, uh, there's another guy in Tareem here, Phillip, uh, yeah. Th- but yeah, that I don't really think are gonna. I don't even think they're ro- getting the rotation guys. Really, maybe, but I mean, they're, they're lottery tickets essentially. Do we and keep, then uh, was it Philip
0: or Jamario Jones that we got from LA? On top of that,
1: Jamario Jones. That's yeah. what it is. Okay, yep, yeah, yep. Who who might might get some minutes at the three based on the depth chart? Because otherwise, you're playing Jordan McRae or Admiral Schofield. As your uh, rotation, small forward. I think Snowfield's
0: so, a G League guy.
1: A- absolutely, but it's, I still think. Uh, apparently, people that that enjoyed Tennessee basketball said he was, he was very good. So, and he is a good shooter. So that will assist them in stretching the court. But I, I think he definitely has some some room to grow, and I think he will spend a lot of time on the. Uh, the go go's. On the
0: go go's. Yeah. yeah, um, Troy Brown Jr., who was one of the stars of Summer League this year, had a really, really good Summer League, which is encouraging considering our player development was next to he nonexistent. He
1: carried the team. Yeah, um, yeah, he was he he definitely rolled with that team. It was it was pretty impressive.
0: A lot of smart people who follow the Summer League were like Troy Brown Jr. I mean, this is sad, but one guy who uh, who I follow who does a lot of basketball coverage and does a ton of great stuff on um, for Summer League was joking he's like he can actually dribble and shoot now as opposed to when the wizards first drafted him and i'm like hey look at that player development um but it's something man we'll take it but yeah i mean okay so let's just look at this look at let's take the starting five of ish smith bradley beal troy brown ruby hachimura thomas bryant and then round out the remainder of the four five guys who are going to contribute let's call it three to five guys and isaiah thomas cj miles probably Davis Bertans I refuse to acknowledge Jan Mahinmi that's just not happening I I will not have it Um, he's not a contributor he's a 16 million dollar paperweight
1: no he's a he's a tradable asset is what he is
0: is his his contract off the books this year or next year it's next year isn't
1: it yes at next summer so this is the final year of his contract yeah
0: but are we even going to get something for that 16 million dollar pile of shit
1: I don't know I don't care We can help facilitate some trade or do something. I don't know. Or some teams out of the playoffs, you know, and it's the trade deadline and team wants to say, screw it. I'm going to dump some salary. We'll we'll take it. It's something or you just let them walk, whatever. It's no big deal.
0: That's that's what I'm going to do. And I'm
1: just glad that they didn't uh, stretch him. I I thought stretching him last year would have just been a big mistake because basically the you you're, just pay way, way too long,
0: and you it really money.
1: hinders your cap. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I would rather, since the team, again, was going nowhere and wasn't signing anybody, that I, that I was glad that they just kept him and said, we'll, we'll bite the ball, we'll keep him for one more year, and then we'll be done with this fiasco.
0: So it's funny to see where we landed now, right? Because I'm looking at the rest of the NBA, and I'm like, okay, we are probably... I, I use the word probably we're probably better than Phoenix. We're definitely better than the Knicks and we're definitely better than the Cavaliers. Yeah. I think I don't want in the use, Hornets and the Hornets. Sorry. We're definitely better than the Hornets. Good Lord. That scary Terry contract that, is God awful. That was a, <laughs> one of the that, worst moves I think I've seen in a long time. That was uh, in a litany of bad moves. That that's right up there. I mean, good God. Almighty. Was
1: it? That was, that's, that was worse than Jan Mahini, right?
0: It's right up there, I think. Jan Mahinders It is. It's pretty damn
1: close.
0: Is a was one of the grossest decisions in a while. But, um, can we also talk about the fact that in one year, a DC sports team signed Mark Sanchez and Dwight Howard, <clears throat> like, yeah, th- that should just tell you the state of sports in this city. But,
1: well, but quickly they were run out of town, and one is was forced to retire. Another one got sent to Memphis, who then bought him out, and now he's in LA
0: and trying to read only for image. the sheer
1: fact that that DeMarcus Cousins poor 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 guy uh, tore his ACL and then i heard that he apparently threatened his baby mama
0: yep that was on tmz i, I think it was some. yesterday
1: oh my god that guy is cooked isn't
0: he he's so cooked i mean you you were cooked with the acl and the Achilles to start off with and then you got a tmz right. thing of alleged gun you use can throw that on there or alleged a gun threat yeah. like oh good... You were walking on very thin ice to begin with, even before the injuries. And now, I mean, you're—it's just done. I mean, just he should pack his bags and head to China in terms of prolonging his career. Maybe Turkey, because that's all he's got left. I'd say China yep. probably. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like if you look at the rest of the East, so like Charlotte, you, you alluded to, so New York, Cleveland, and Charlotte—we covered. But like the Wizards are not better than the Bulls, the Hawks, or the Heat,
1: or the Pistons,
0: or the Pistons.
1: Or the Magic. Yeah. No. No, they certainly
0: aren't. So we're actually putting ourselves back in prime lottery positioning for, ironically, a draft that's, from all accounts, is not going to be very good in 2020.
1: Nope. Nope. Yeah.
0: And, of course, we got ourselves screwed over in the lottery this year when we should have been a top-four selection. Right? That's how the ball should have fallen. Top-four, top-five, and we ended up at ninth.
1: I thought it was top-six.
0: Yeah, it was top-six, which also would have been just outside of prime range in a right 3 to 4 person draft depending on who you talk to. We
1: yeah. Never... No, they were they were never really in it, but I did ha- have delusions that maybe they could have jumped into the top 3.
0: Yeah. We never talked very... talked about this. How do you feel about Darius Garland? Do you have an opinion on him? The guy that Cleveland ended up taking at 5. He was like the f- fifth guy in a four-person draft in my opinion.
1: Right. I so I think his ceiling which would be a very extremely high ceiling is Dwayne Wade. Can he get there? I, I don't know. I I would have absolutely taken a shot at him because again, after after the top three, would would you have left to? Yeah. You have nothing left to lose. Um, was it uh, Atlanta that traded up for DeAndre Hunter? It was Atlanta.
0: Elena, DeAndre Hunter, and Cambridge, yeah. which I'm like, God, you add those two to herder and Trey Young, and it's like, Good Lord, that's an infrastructure.
1: Yeah, but uh, I, I almost would have taken a taken a shot on Garland.
0: I mean, I think if over, you have any trans- transcendent talent like that, like people would argue that if you look at a pure talent level, Garland was better than Hunter. So yes especially given everything we know about the John Wall situation as potential injury and whether the long-term prospects of Bradley Beal, which we can talk about momentarily, um, you have to take a, a transcendent star talent in Darius Garland. And, you know, pretty much anybody you talk to who like really understood high school basketball and the, you know, how they would project there. They're like, look, Garland is going to be really good or he's maybe more talented, my raw talent standpoint than even John Morant. Who went number two overall, obviously.
1: John Moran had way more productions, but Garland also dealt with injuries, so it's kinda hard to judge.
0: Exactly. RJ Barrett's the guy I've gone back and but forth I, with I, all the time.
1: Oh, he, I I actually had some kind of hope for him when when he you know, he got taken by the Knicks, and I'm like, wow, this guy he he has a he had a his dad was at the draft. I was really impressed about, you know, kind of learning about his upbringing. He's like, I'm like, wow, this guy's really considerate. He, he's his father really knows the game and he appears he's taught his son. But you know what he didn't teach him? A killer freaking instinct. That guy does not have it. He doesn't have it. Does not have it. Too nice.
0: Really? That's where you landed and, on with Barrett? See, with Barrett, for me, I almost land in the opposite direction. I think he has a hero ball habit. Really? Yeah, like that's how I I thought.
1: just I just don't I don't know. But he doesn't get it done.
0: No, that's the thing he doesn't get it done. Cuz I, I think
1: part of the cuz like uh Dion Waiters is a hucker, but a killer, a killer actually makes it.
0: He hits the shots.
1: Damian Lillard when when uh who did he boot out of the playoffs this year with his uh his step back three to to win? It
0: was Denver, wasn't it?
1: No, this was in the first round.
0: I should know this. I'm, my, my, my brain's on football right now, but I'm pulling it up right now. But yes, the, the the back-to-back ones. I mean, they were just incredible.
1: Yeah. So, so that's what a killer does. Is they they just just are completely and utterly confident that they're going to destroy their opponent. Not completely confident that they're going to huck up the ball. And R.J. Barrett is not confident that he's going to destroy his opponent. He just doesn't have that in him. Is he going to work hard? Yes. Is he going to study film? Yes. But is he going to be the guy that wins a playoff game with an epic, memorable NBA uh, classics game? No. No, I don't see it. I, I just don't see it.
0: And on top of that, I'm like, his godfather, I think it was, or mentor, or whatever you want to call it, is Steve Nash. And I'm like, you can do a lot worse from an understanding of yeah. the game perspective. Than, you so know, that's what I'm
1: saying. Like, he... I have no doubt that he understands basketball. I have no doubt about that. But I just, I do, I, and I don't doubt his drive or his commitment, but when I see him on that court, I just don't buy him.
0: It was OKC in Paul George's face.
1: Okay, that's what it was. Yeah, that was beautiful.
0: And then he was injured against the Nuggets. No, he was injured right. against the Warriors. That's why they got swept. Yeah, I feel like he had a big shot against the Nuggets. And I, I but maybe it was the Game 7 game, but... Um. Anyway, yeah, uh, that's the thing I kept going back and forth with Barrett. I just felt like he was one of those – he he was rich man's Jamal Crawford to me is where I kind of – where my head landed on him. And I'm like, yeah, not so much. And like when I saw like he was one of those guys where he has to be ball dominant and he's going to take 30 shots to get 20 points. And I'm like pass, hard pass on that. Yeah. And he'll maybe and get his, you 12 ladies... rebounds and two assists. And I'm like, yeah, a hard pass.
1: He definitely did not show up in summer league whatsoever. Yeah, he, summer league was, was so disappointing pretty...
0: this year for like a
1: from a standpoint. It was. Star point. Zion had one incredible. Uh, was it Kevin Knox?
0: Yeah, he, he ripped the ball. from Kevin Knox. He stole his lunch.
1: Yeah, he stole his lunch. He ate it and he spat it back at him. That was it was funny. incredible. And then he got hurt and he didn't play anymore. And he was fattening out of well. Fat for Zion, whatever. Yeah, but yeah, he was definitely a little a little pudgier than than, and you kind of knew that would be the case when you're on these whirlwind media tours and you're getting wined and dined by everybody, and you have zero, not zero time, but less time to work out. I think that's
0: a story that is going to get talked about more and more towards the fall or even the early winter once things you know start to get un, uh, unraveled in the NBA. Like, I. I Without speaking in hyperbole, the expectations for Zion, in many cases, could be even higher than the expectations as a rookie for LeBron, because everyone understood LeBron's coming from high school. There would be it would take time. With Zion, we've anointed him already. You know, six six two eighty five yeah. did it with the number one team in the country, or the most talented team probably we've ever seen from a freshman standpoint since the Fab Five. Everyone expected them to be the runaway favorite for the title. You know, we're already wondering whether he's one of the 10 best players in the NBA, according to some people, not according to present company. And, like, for him to come in and, like, is he going to come in in shape? Is he going to—our team's going to try to basically pack the paint and say, look, Zion beat us with a jump shot? How does all of that factor in? And like, I mean, with the spotlight glaring on him as hot as ever, he's pr- he's only set up for disappointment. I'm not saying someone's going to take the rookie of the year award away from him. It but is like,
1: unfortunate because you would have thought he we, he would have been set up in a good situation. in the fact that he went to a, a kind of a struggling team and a small market team, but now you kind of look at uh, New Orleans and you're like, they're they're not half bad. They should be contending for a playoff spot this immediately. year. In a very, very loaded West, and so I think the the expectations are going to be really high on him. I, I don't. I definitely think he'll be in shape coming into the season. I'm I'm not worried about that.
0: I hope so. Um,
1: I am definitely worried that I know the teams are going to pack the paint because he doesn't. He has a jump shot, but he it's not great. Exactly. And so that's definitely how you you defend him.
0: And that's fair for someone who was never really to... asked to develop in college, right? Like in college, Zion's just so much more gifted than everyone else. They didn't have to develop a jump shot. Like he no, could, he could just
1: dunk on everybody. He could
0: dunk one on five every possession and get away with it. So like you know, that's not necessarily a knock on him. But obviously, in the grown man's league, like that's not going to work. I mean, you know, we talk about the the ripping the ball of Kevin Knox's hands, but how many people remember like literally five minutes later, Zion take a try to jump, tried to take a jump shot, and then Knox stuffed it right back in his face again yeah you know so, so
1: it uh, in contrast to the wizards depth chart the new orleans pelicans depth chart is holy crap and so you have drew holiday jj reddick which i thought was a perfect signing to fit with this team brandon ingram who i have zero faith in i don't i don't buy him i don't buy him whatsoever so when there were like possible bradley beal to the lakers talk of lonzo and brandon ingram i was like no thank you um zion Derek favors as the center i thought that was a very good move to get Derek Favors because the last thing I think you really want for Zion is to play the center. I think you yep. want him playing at the four. Yep. Then they have Lonzo coming off the bench. Josh Hart, another good guy coming off the bench. Darius Miller, whatever. Jaleel Okafor can give you some points and some rebounds. And then Alexander Walker, who I thought was a fabulous pick for them in uh, later in the first round. And yeah. he balled. He was balling in summer league. That guy, I think he's gonna be good. It's that
0: guy, Virginia Tech.
1: So, so that that's that's a that's a team to watch. But then the scary thing is when you look at the West, they're they're not even in the conversation. Like you're literally your your conversation for favorites to win are Clippers, Lakers, Rockets, I still think the Warriors are in it, Jazz and Nuggets. I just named six teams mm-hmm. and that's without naming the Spurs, Blazers. Yeah,
0: it's not even the name of the Blazers then, who, who went—you know who were in the final four last year and didn't, by and large, change their team.
1: Right? That's unbelievable. And then uh, the the odd man's looking out in that scenario is, is Dallas and New Orleans. And then you still have scrappy Sacramento, scrappy and then Sacramento, it kind of falls off. Minnesota. A little bit
0: scrappy Minnesota.
1: Yeah. Who does Minnesota have a move left in them? No, maybe.
0: Although they've hired smart people to run that organization, like they are, kind of a little bit. I think maybe even better off position the Wizards like they hired Gerson Rosas from the um from the Rockets to be their GM. They're putting smart people in their in their front office as well. They got Flip's kid coaching the team. I think they just extended him.
1: I, he's pretty good, actually.
0: Yeah, like they hit a bumpy I, transition early on, but it smoothed out real nicely. Um, I I, yeah. I I never have been, and I don't think I ever will be either. A, I, n- I never was an Andrew Wiggins guy, and I I never have been, especially a Carl Anthony Towns guy. Like I just never was. I acknowledge the offensive talent, but I acknowledge he's also, from a heart standpoint, he's the Tin Man. Like he's got nothing. Um, if yeah. Kevin Gar- if Kevin Garnett can't motivate you to improve, not one human being on God's green earth can. I'm sorry. Like I would be scared shitless of Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett could get me, who's never been a runner his entire life, to get me to start training for a marathon. That's Kevin Garnett, just by him sheer, by him, like, you know, trash talking a lamppost and inspiring me, right? Like, and if he can't get that out of, out of Carl uh, Anthony Towns, and I don't think anybody can.
1: No, but don't you think like the possible, maybe December, the deadline in, in uh, like mid December of when you can trade people that just sign over the off season. Yeah. But that doesn't apply because I was thinking about Chris Paul for Andrew Wiggins and technically they could move him anytime. And so that's like the one move where I'm like that. Could be like you know Oklahoma City could be that the reclamation project of Andrew Wiggins that that might be a reasonable spot for him to try to recover his career and it it would give uh Oklahoma City a way to to move on from Chris Paul and get him back on a team that could potentially contend because they have no shot at contending currently
0: they're Minnesota fans, especially when I just they'll give away Andrew Wiggins for anything I mean they'll give away Andrew Wiggins for yeah. mul- from moldy Bread.
1: Well, that's because he sucks.
0: Yeah, I mean, and his
1: contract's awful. So is he the second worst contract next to John Wall's? Might be.
0: I am buying, so I'm not selling my uh, my stock. Price value is diminished in Lonzo Ball, but I'm not selling it yet. I still re- retain hope in him. Um, I'm holding on to my stock in there. And I, as I've mentioned earlier on, I am buying cheap stock in Dallas. I think Dallas is the team that not enough people are talking about. I think in two years going to be really good. I know Kristaps tends to Absolutely. do t- tends to do gangster things off the court and I, I would appreciate if he would stop doing those things although did you see his ivan drago picks recently no oh, he got yoked up this offseason like people were com- putting him next to like ivan you know uh, next to what's his name um Dolph lundgren like photos like circa 30 years ago and they're like i don't see the difference because he got like he's he got jacked this offseason so I, i'm buying some stock and jacked Christoph persingas i just like i said hope he doesn't do any lativian gangbanging out of uh, uh, using that, but between him and uh, him and, and 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 Luca, man, I love that team and space. More importantly, th- ability to do things on top of that. I've said it before; I'll say it again. They're the team that no one's talking about, and I think they can ascend really, really quickly. Especially as some teams, although now the two LA superpowers have a two to three year window, but like let's say even they taper off in a few years, I think that again opens the door right when. Dallas could be really good.
1: Just well, that so that young is young. the fun thing. So, so, how many like top twenty players uh, transition teams this past summer? It's all like of them. Let's just say forty percent of them. All of them. Yeah, essentially, which like never happens, and we're going to do it again in two years.
0: Yeah, that we're going to turn it all over again. That two-year deal between Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, I, I think we're. we're this is going to sound retarded, but we're going to be talking about it for the next two years because it's like, think about it. Like, you know, what happens if this goes south? I mean, the I think the idea of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George pairing together sounds great on paper, but what has pairing Paul George with anyone actually netted so
1: far? Well, they've only pair, he's only been paired with, with Russell, Russell Westbrook. Westbrook. Who else was and he then, paired with? Exactly, Roy Hibbert. Right. So and, you that's I'm sorry, that's not a fair comparison. He actually is paired with a star. a a real bonafide MVP candidate. Okay. Damn it. Russell Westbrook did win an MVP, but Russell Westbrook has not been known to lead teams to championships. Whereas Kawhi Leonard has done it with two teams, Um, but they are slightly redundant, but with the, within the landscape of the modern NBA, you can have them both on the court and they will be utterly terrifying on defense for, for any opposition. So while everybody else is, trying to score at an incredibly high rate they can do that and at the same time they can shut your ass down my, so that's where they are incredibly impressive
0: and they got they kept Patrick
1: Beverly that was who's my, the what I was biggest
0: pest in the world they have crazy ass Patrick Beverly I think that might be my favorite part of this entire situation
1: yeah no I mean they're 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 gonna be a fun team I mean they are so I'm looking at the Vegas odds they are was it um, uh, seven to two to win? Seven to two. Clippers are four to one. Bucks are six to one. Houston is eight to one. I I I don't buy that. No, and then uh, Philly is also eight to one. And then Golden State is twelve to one. If I had to bet one, I don't know. I think just for money purposes, I think I would bet the Bucks just because the payout's better. Um, and I do have confidence that they. The, I I have confidence that they can come out of the East.
0: I thought last year was. And a then shot. I
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean they kept the band back together minus Malcolm Brogdon, who's now in Indiana, which makes Indiana actually a very formidable team in the East. Um, I did I never realized how good he really was. I guess I just never paid attention to him because he's kind of like a dude. Do you remember the the uh, game of zones where they're playing the the NBA 1K yeah game? And they're all trying to get Squire of the Year, and mm-hmm. he's all sitting off to off to the. anybody know who last year's Squire of the Year is? And they're like, "Shut up, old man!" And it was Malcolm Brogdon. Was Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> the Didn't they joke? Scr- there's
0: like, isn't that Mike Marcus? Uh, nah, what's his name? Um, goddamn KG, who was it? What did they joke? Uh, Michael, not Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. Who's Michael Kidd-Gilchrist? No, Michael Carter-Williams. Sorry,
1: Michael Carter-Williams. Yeah. yeah.
0: So Malcolm Brogdon, like he was a guy because you know he played for Tony Bennett's Cavs at UVA, so you know. Oh, you'll never hear me say a nice thing about UVA, but those guys, I mean, you know, defense is their trademark. Those guys will stifle the air out of you. So he came in. He was the alpha dog at that UVA program. So you knew, if nothing else, he had that. And I think from an intangible standpoint, I mean, let's not forget he was a mid-second round pick at the end of the day. But, like, he came in and he just did exactly what his bread and butter was. And I think he's just built on that. And I think that loss hurts a lot. Andy developed
1: this shot exactly. I mean the guy can hit he can hit threes and he's a he is a, a playmaker I mean he's not he's not going to dazzle you and take it to the hoop like James Harden but he is going to be able to facilitate an offense get his teammates involved and he can hit open shots when given given the opportunity and he can create his own shot to a degree to use so Bill yeah that was Simmons. definitely a
0: commentary like he can be the third best guy on a championship team. Yeah. I don't know if he can be the second best. That might be pushing it a little bit, but I no, think he can, no, he can no, be no. the third best guy on a championship I
1: think you're team. pushing it with third. Oh, you you're think I'm even pushing, it pushing it with, with third. third? Yeah. Maybe definitely four. Yeah, for guy. sure.
0: I don't like or, so the yeah. Bucks the Bucks, I think I mean, I think they couldn't have matched Brogdon's salary on the open on the open market. I think that was that was just something they came to terms with. Like they they couldn't sign him for whatever the money ended up being for Brogdon. Um, I think the Middleton, but they are
1: hamstrung. Gonna,
0: yeah, that Middleton contract is going to haunt them, especially when it comes, comes time for Giannis because and now for better or worse, they're married. Yeah, exactly, and they're married. They're married to those contracts, especially the Middleton one. And you know, if Giannis decides that look, this isn't the team, then it's going to be the biggest bonanza ever uh, of teams chasing him. It's like you know, as the joke goes, like all the Knicks now can do is hope for three more years as Giannis comes there just to get you know, just to get uh defeated again.
1: Yeah, yeah, keep keep those keep those high hopes, buds. Um, but they they have the Lopez brothers on the team now,
0: so that should be fun. That
1: should uh, provide some comedy. That's going to be entertaining. Those dudes love each other. That's I'm I'm actually I'm really happy to see them together. They got Kyle Korver. Somehow he's still in the league, guys. He's our age, right? I think
0: he's older than us. He's
1: got to be thirty eight. Yeah, I mean he's still doing things. i they they still have. I don't know. You look at that shooting guard spot, though, and right now it's Wesley Matthews, Pat Connaughton. Malcolm Brogdon definitely would have looked better in that spot. So I'm going to
0: put you Um, on the spot on another Eastern Conference team. In the next three years, so in counting this year, the season after, the season after, do the Brooklyn Nets win the East?
1: Ooh. Well, they they definitely don't win it this year.
0: Yeah, they definitely don't win it this year. Uh,
1: No, because it's either Milwaukee or the 76ers. Maybe Boston pulls their head heads out of their ass after the Kyrie experience, but I'm I'm going with the the two favorites. Um,
0: but like the season after Durant the season
1: signed, after. A, so Durant comes back next year. They're not going to do it next that year. Maybe I don't know. The whole NBA is going to change again. Exactly. Shit, Kawhi Leonard could be on the Knicks. I I don't know. Uh, Giannis could be gone at that point. It's it's yeah.
0: I guess I'm more leading with. Do you think that the Nets can win with the stink of Kyrie Irving on them? And like that's that is the one thing that I I, I can't get over. Like
1: that's the thing that I really hate about this whole scenario. Exactly. Is because I still I've always loved Kevin Durant. He's been one of my favorite players in the the second he got into the league. I mean I was just like I just love the guy. Even um, even knowing that he's a local guy um, that that did, didn't even play into it. Just I liked his game. I was impressed that this seven-footer could shoot like that and move like that. Um, but, God, to pair up. Is there a more hated player in the NBA for us than Kyrie? I, I mean, think- you remember all the years of Kyrie bashing that we were doing when he was on the Cavaliers where we'd be like Bradley Beal and John Wallace, a way better backcourt than Deion Waiters and, and Kyrie. Kyrie Irving. And I still stand by that. And then Kyrie but, kind and of- we'd also then we blew up. Kyrie blew up. We 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 take it even further and just go head to head. Who would you rather have, John Wall or Kyrie Irving? And we'd all say, well, Kyrie Irving's a better scorer, but I'd rather have John Wall because he makes his teammates better. Um, obviously, Kyrie Irving has won that debate by a landslide at this rate. But he's such a nut job. I mean, he's not nearly Antonio Brown crazy, but he is he is out there.
0: Kyrie Irving is one blonde mustache clearly, away from being that crazy.
1: Yeah. He clearly doesn't want to be on a team. Um, yeah, I, yeah, that was really disheartening when when Durant chose to side with him. It's like, really, you couldn't have, couldn't have, couldn't have pick somebody else.
0: My thing you is couldn't have gone more, to
1: the Clippers
0: on the other side. Like Brooklyn was on the end of one of the most disastrous move since Ted Stapian was doing things in the 1980s in terms of the NBA. Like, I mean, what the, the the Paul Pierce trade and Kevin Garnett, I mean, that should be a 30 for 30 documentary. That one trade should have its own episode. Like, that's how terrible that one particular trade was. And the fact that you were able to kind of wash off the stink of that Get the right guys, get a grinder like Kenny Atkinson, get a grinder like Sean Marks, build the team the right way, resurrect D'Angelo Russell, turn Karis Levert into a guy, you know, the Spencer Dinwiddie's of the world, like you know, turning that team into a genuinely likable team,
1: only to add yeah. maybe
0: the player who's yeah. tarnished his reputation more than any other player in the last five years, adding him to the mix. I I, I can't get over what a like awful way that is to 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 cap that story.
1: Yeah. I, I much I would have rather Kemba Walker, Kevin Durant uh, pair up than Kyrie Irving.
0: I would have rather them huh. sign Kemba Walker for 160 million dollars alone and just you know be yeah. the sixth, the seventh, or, you know fifth, to sixth best team in the East or, for the next five or just years. Just
1: D'Angelo Russell.
0: Yeah, even there, like I can understand the argument of like, okay, you know we had D'Angelo Russell was a little bit of a one year wonder so far, and like gets reluctant to kind of get married to him. But at the same time, I mean. Kyrie Irving is a – I hate to use the C word, especially from a medical perspective, but he's a cancer. Like, he is. Like, what situation yeah. – you, you we're talking about, like, leaving your team better than he originally got there. When has Kyrie Irving made anything better? Like, when? Even his well, first year look, in Boston. Look at the,
1: they, they were better because he got hurt.
0: Exactly. They and went the to, rest
1: of the team stepped up, and they excelled extraordinarily without him. They get him back they're considered a favorite to win the east especially cuz LeBron had shipped out west and he didn't even didn't even show up and then you get to the playoffs and the guy had zero zero engagement had no interest in winning an el- an elimination game and just got blown off the court
0: just awful I don't, I don't know i i couldn't that was one of my least favorite things about this offseason among in the superstar shuffle all of those things i just i was so disappointed cuz like like I said Brooklyn was literally Lazarus rising from the dead and they they did it by capping it off with Kyrie Irving it's just ugh it's just so bad it's like you know it's like um it's like saying that you know you could you won a lottery ticket that you could get married to any famous female celebrity supermodel or whatever and like and you choose Kim Kardashian right you know and, like, that's what you chose out of all your options? And it's like, do you want to ruin your life in every way, shape, and form possible? And that's what you did? And i that's just kind of how I land on all of that. Like, of all the interesting things to happen. And it's like Boston, right? Like, okay, so Boston replaces Kemba Walker, um, Kyrie Irving with Kemba Walker. And, like, even then, I'm not saying that they're going to be better now, but it is addition by subtraction. Even if Kemba Walker is 75% of the player of Kyrie.
1: Oh, well, I think Boston's going to be way better this year. Way better.
0: That's assuming all the other guys step up, which I think... We've all been in I think they're gonna get... professional situations where we work on a team and you get rid of that one guy on your team and all of a sudden everybody and everything on that team starts working better.
1: Well, it's like when Dwight Howard leaves a team. Like all the teammates, former teammates, applaud his exit. And that is literally what they were doing in Boston. They were just like, thank you, thank you, please get out of here.
0: So circling back to the Wizards, we yeah. talked about the East and I think the one thing that now cha- that now kind of predicates A, where they land in the East, but I think B, where they end up in the East over the next season or two is, what do they do with Bradley Beal? So I think there's two parts of the question. What will they do with Bradley Beal, and what should they do with Bradley Beal, right? Because you, um, have, you have this player who made the leap, quote-unquote, however you want to put it, should have been an all-NBA guy this year. He was, was wasn't he? Or was I'm,
1: he? He was not. He, was not. He, he barely missed the third team. And a joke. Thank God, because then they would have to give him a Supermax. Right. So I was like kind of I was relieved that he didn't make it because then it was like, holy crap. But that so they did offer them him the extension this summer. Of course, he has not signed it, which why would he? Um, but if he would have gotten that all NBA and they would have offered him the Supermax, it it would have won either. Holy crap. Now you have two contracts, Supermax contracts on your roster. You're ultra screwed or two he turns it down, and then you're like, oh, crap, this guy's not going to stick around with this team long term. So either way, you're in trouble.
0: So the, if you're you're now Tommy Shepard, and you've got this situation, and it's probably one of, I mean, the worst, no one of the worst kept secrets in the league that Bradley Beal is probably available for the right price. And some team is going to either try to lowball you knowing that Bradley Beal is available, or play chicken with you saying, like, are right, you going to keep him? and just let him walk in free agency eventually because he has to know. He has to be able to look at the starting lineup that we just outlined a few minutes ago and be like, yeesh, I'm not even going to sniff a playoff series win for another three to four years. And am I going to waste the prime of my NBA career doing that? Like, yeah, like they're going to have to turn some serious time is
1: on the Wizards side. I mean, because he still has two years remaining on the deal. So it's not like it's expiring next summer. So they have this whole year to kind of figure things out. Then the urgency, I think, starts next summer. Um, I don't think they're I, – I think you – if you want to get Bradley Beal this year, it's got to be a knock-your-socks-off type offer, and I haven't seen one of those in any potential trade where I'm like, yeah, i got to make that. There's no knock-your-socks-off like,
0: team. It, Teams are very smart mm-hmm. now because they feel like you can probably acquire players for $0.40 cents on the dollar, especially once that player starts to get disgruntled. You're not going to get the I L.A. situation. It of depends
1: like, how – right, with that – Again, you you need a desperate team, and L.A. was extraordinarily desperate because they have that that ticking time clock known as LeBron James's age um, that's quickly catching up with them, that they had to make the Anthony Davis trade and throw in all these things. And then the Clippers had, again, they had the, if you want Kawhi Leonard, you better do what you can to get Paul George. Oh, and by the way, they're going to sign only two-year contracts with you. So if you catch a desperate team, maybe— how desperate are the Nuggets going to be come trade deadline? Let's say they're second, third seed in the West, and they go, holy shit, this thing out in L.A. is not working out. LeBron can't stay healthy. Anthony Davis doesn't hasn't had a track record of, of excellent health. Um, Kawhi and Paul George, man, those guys are playing every other night because they're really conserving themselves. Let's make a run. Let's get Bradley Beal. Let's try and get some home court advantage, and we'll figure this stuff out for the playoffs. I I think maybe that's your desperate team out of any suitor that I've seen out there. I I think the Nuggets are the only one that might make sense. But then again, what are you getting?
0: Exactly, that's the question I have. Like the the assets that or the packages that have kind of come back in relation to the Nuggets, and it's like you know that's that's there's not a lot of sex appeal for those. But I kind of go
1: back to the counter. Gary Harris, Michael Porter. Draft picks and then maybe you get a third team involved.
0: Right. But here's the other side. So we've seen it's been buzzed I've talked about plenty, but we're in these we we're in the era of quote unquote player empowerment or whatever you want to phrase it as. What is the is there a is there a downside to for Bradley Beale's brand perception or whatever, for him to do maybe not quite to the tank the, to the extent of what Anthony Davis did, but maybe a little bit of what Paul George did, be like, yo, trade me. Like, now.
1: No, there's no downside to that. Right? As we've seen.
0: And the precedent is there that the Wizards might be like, okay. Because if that goes public, the the team's already not good. And that's just letting off the biggest stink bomb in the organization. Like, teams have to see what happened to New Orleans when Rich Paul fucked them over and be like, yo, I don't want that. And for a team that's rebuilding and really trying to stockpile a assets and B culture, as we talked about earlier, they may be more inclined to push him out the door. I don't think Bradley Beal is that type of guy, and he's not run by clutch, clearly obviously, or not you know, represented by them. So maybe that's not his move. But that's a door available to him to be like, listen, I gotta get out of here. Like trade me to a legitimate contender.
1: but he's he hasn't been making those noises, though. Not like, no- all his noises. He's making the right noises. Minus, of course, not signing the extension, which I don't blame him because he can make more money waiting and so forth and keep his options open. Um, I think the only hope for the Wizards, though, would be that John Wall comes back in March and is like 90 percent what he was and the team somehow built some chemistry. And but even still, getting rid of Otto helped their contract scenario. And one of the the one of the better moves they made was no move because Ernie would have tried to. I made together. this trade. I I've, I've got to keep these guys. I can't have nothing to show for that deal. Whereas Tommy said Jabari, get out of here. Uh, crazy Eyes, uh, Bobby Portis. You you can you can go and be the fifth or sixth power forward that the Knicks have signed this uh, summer, which made no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Good luck with that. Um, yeah. So essentially they just turned auto into a big salary dump, which unfortunately was, was kind of necessary. So, but once Beal comes up for a contract and wall's already got his contract, there's going to be no room. There's no room to add anybody. So what you almost have to do is you have to hope wall gets better and you have, have to hope that you have some lottery luck that you draft somebody. And So yeah, the odds are very, very, very long that they can turn this into a winning situation. So you, I just don't want to trade them because I don't like the. I don't think oh, the return's going to be so bad.
0: Well, the, one, the return is going to be so bad. You're 100 percent right about that. And then two, now you have the misfits, and then still a John Wall's contract, and like that doesn't that that that's yeah. still there. So it's not like you know. We... If you
1: throw fandom out of it, you trade them because it's like your team's going nowhere. You might as well accumulate assets. The and what Bradley Beal can do for you is he can bring in hopefully some young dudes in return and some additional first round draft picks you can make some additional moves to pick up additional first round draft picks and so forth and so forth and maybe something pans out and you can either ship that in a trade or one of your lottery tickets somehow works out and you've gotten off John Wall's contract and now you've got a young team and you're the next Atlanta Hawks or whatever
0: I mean you could look but. at going back to the Brooklyn model being like playing really over the long term and really trying to you know play the long game in terms of getting out from all the underneath the bad situation and not trying to fix in the next year or two. I would just wonder if someone like Grunfeld uh, or Grunfeld Leons is patient enough to, to wait, to do that.
1: I, I don't think he is. Cause he has so said that we don't, we don't have to rebuild, but I was going to say Bradley Beal's still young. And then I'm like, look it up. He's like, no, he's 26. Exactly. He's he, gonna be 28. He's, 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 he's right at the, he's starting the peak of his prime. He's gonna get a next big fat contract and then right after that it's it's gonna all start kinda heading down downhill from there.
0: Especially for someone who has had issue injury issues in the beginning of his career.
1: Right, but I think he has gotten over that. I think he he has too played he played eighty two games last year and the year before.
0: How many players talk about Steph Curry being like an injury
1: in
0: uh uh you know, an injury issue with Like Steph Curry, yeah, they're like, how many times do we call him injury prone now, right?
1: He he isn't because you know he actually had good uh, physical training that worked on his uh, his gait, so to speak, um, so that he could avoid injuries. And they were smart about it. And maybe that's what our new uh, uh, was the director of athleticism and fitness or whatever is going to also interject some influence on that they can keep these guys from getting injured by better training methods. Um, But we have seen Steph Curry get hurt in the playoffs how often now plenty pretty frequently
0: yeah I'm going to say every year since what 13 yeah 12 yeah so I think the thing that we struggle using your point about fandom managed
1: to play a lot of games he's not
0: yeah he's even thus decided not being the biggest guy in the world but the point about fandom you mentioned I think is interesting because or us being fans or being emotionally attached to Bradley Beal because to your point like all the the rift alleged, allegedly or whether there is truth to it and i think there's a little bit of both between him and wall it's not on Beale's side i don't think like i felt like there's always the green eyes of jealousy came a little more on walls from wall's perspective that like this wants to be his team and he wants Bradley Beale to be the sidekick and like sometimes people recognize that Beale might be the player with more who might be more coveted or might be more valued around the rest of the league or maybe even within the organization and you know it kind of tends to be might be a different personality just as a whole and beal seems from to be like one because now he's here and present being the guy that everyone's like oh this is our franchise cornerstone guy and almost replacing wall in a lot of cases like that but he's the guy who he's going to mystics games like he's the one who said never like he's the one like i'm he's not saying i'm committing here but he's like i'm a like i've accepted this as my home you know, and like, this is the place I want to be and I don't want to be anywhere else. He's kind of ingratiated himself a little bit or ingrained himself, I should say, into the community more than someone who has eyes for looking around somewhere else. It wasn't like, you know, Kawhi was in Toronto for a year and did everything for the team, but everyone knew his eyes were elsewhere. And like, that doesn't feel like Beal now. Now, of course, you know, we said the same thing about guys like Bryce Harper. So, you know, you take all of that with a grain of salt, but I think there's an interesting wrinkle to that, that. If he leaves, it's not because he's seeking greener pastures. It's because he realizes that this team's not going anywhere for the next three years and I can't I don't want to play for a loser for my entire career. And I think that is a fair way to
1: look at it. Right. But as I said, I I mean they don't need to make a move now and they don't need to make a move at the trade deadline. Um but next summer I think they have the the real big decision to make. So I don't know. We'll see how things shake out.
0: I think things start I heating don't... up a lot at the tr- starting this year's trade deadline, or right before the trade deadline, and then spilling into the summer.
1: Right, because they will definitely get some legitimate offers. They will get some. I. They will get some very generous offers, I would think.
0: And Bradley Beal. I mean,
1: every, ev- the, the West is ultra competitive, but it's also wide open.
0: I think you that's, know? A, that's a great place like, to leave it. Like. The, the, the grousing about the NBA has always been that, you know, it's going to be whatever team LeBron is on is going to end up in the finals or win the finals, and otherwise it's going to be Golden State, and it's going to be Golden State versus Team LeBron in the finals every single year, which has proven to be prophetic for more, more often than not. Um, or it was, you know, LeBron in the heat versus whoever the West had to offer. And this is the first time in a long time where you can say – who, like you can put a bet down on who's going to win the east or the west and you could have three different answers and all three answers are just as valid legitimately
1: right right i mean there the the west has is legitimately six deep as far as contenders but it's still wide open because any one of those six teams could come out of the west um, the east is i really think that's a that's a three team that's a three team race Milwaukee Philadelphia Boston yeah, and then the next tier is Indiana, and Toronto, and then then you get to Miami. Miami's making the playoffs with with Jimmy Butler, no doubt about it. They make the playoffs, but they're not going to. I wouldn't be surprised. I would be surprised if they make it to the second round.
0: Crazy ass Jimmy of the Butler. playoffs,
1: I'm I love him. He's he's not he's not Antonio Brown crazy.
0: No, he's not crazy like
1: he's that. like where he's like completely loco. He is just hyper competitive.
0: Oh man, I think he grates yeah. on people. There's a little bit. I'm using the comparison a little loosely, but there's a little bit of a Chris Paul to him too, where he's constantly. I was going to say Chris Paul constantly bitching at people and it grates on people. But I do think I, I still maintain that the reason why he soured himself out of Minnesota so much is because he was playing with a couple of bitches in Carl Anthony Towns, in 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 Kyle and um, Andrew Wiggins. And I'm like, like you yeah. couldn't reach those guys, and like you'd be pissed off, too, if you've got these immensely talented guys with 23-cent work ethics.
1: Yeah, and no, I don't think—I mean, it's not like he forced his way out of Philadelphia—
0: Yeah, I think Philadelphia, that was just a chemistry situation. And they were like, we're not going to commit this much money to a guy who might be a little bit of a knucklehead. And, you know, they've got their own issues to work with in terms of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Well, they also had other
1: options. I mean, once Al Horford became available, then Jimmy Butler became expendable. And then, oh, I can turn Jimmy Butler into uh, Jason Richardson. Yes, that sounds right. Um, Which I think is a, a very good replacement for Jimmy Butler that probably fits their roster better.
0: I'm going on the record. I've been a Ben Simmons stan for quite some time. I still am not selling all my real estate on Ben Simmons Island, but that dude's try is staying in the tabloids a bit I'll sell too, you mine. A bit too much on my liking. Like he's starting like first of all, he's been fucking with a couple of the kardashian jenner, don't mess with them jenner whatever they call don't themselves them. like he's been messing with them there's a lot of other celebrity baby mama drama that's going on and i'm like dude you bro you got to keep yourself out of that like just do yourself a favor and take one night off and then skanky girls and, and go work on your jump shot man like for the love of jesus go get yourself a jump shot like it's, it, it can't be it, that hard to
1: find it and, can't be that that's what i'm saying like literally you don't have a nine to five job oh wait you do it's called playing basketball spend that much freaking time in the gym this isn't hard
0: i'm a little worried about and, him
1: yeah no i'm definitely worried about him i if i was uh the 76ers i would have shipped his ass out for anthony davis in a heartbeat if i could have made that trade
0: yeah then you just have to worry about how jojo and anthony davis would coexist which i think figure out i think there would be a, oh there would be a way that they could figure that out um figure it out i don't know all right, we'll call it. We'll we'll, we'll land it on this. We'll, we'll we'll definitely loop and kneel into a conversation, do a real deep dive preview, and probably address a lot of these. But with another what seven weeks, maybe eight before the start of the, I call it seven before the start of the NBA season. If you had to put your money on it now, who are you picking in the East and West? Just to call it right now,
1: I'm a, I'm gonna put my money on the Bucks because I I just don't I don't think the Seventy Sixers are quite there yet. um Even though they were really good, it it took an ultimate Kawhi Leonard. I just think Giannis is just too freaking good. Yeah, He's too good. And then to come out the West, man, that's so, so, I think it's going to be the Clippers. I mean, I know they're the favorites, so it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of a punk move to at Golden State at eight to one. That's not uh, terrible odds. Couldn't I, you see Golden State going into a complete fu mode? No, they get Clay back no. in March.
0: I don't think so. No, I. I they don't I, got it. I just feel like you have a you had a really beautiful fruit platter. Steph with, is with, the uh, with Steph. He's a plus five. Steph Clay and, and Dre, and then it's like you put a big cucumber in there with D'Angelo Russell. And I, 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 I get transcendent talent will figure out a way, but just it just felt like a really reactive move to me.
1: It was no, that was a holy crap. We can actually get something in return for Durant because he was. It was part of a sign in trade for Durant.
0: Right, right. And it's like all right. Let's so just, let's just they get to literally
1: the were able to recoup. They were able to recoup an all star for losing a a superstar that blew out his Achilles. I'm like, that's actually a pretty good return.
0: It's it's not an. Equal and then they can that
1: all star for something.
0: There were a 73 win team before I Durant think- got there.
1: Hey, yeah, yeah, but that dude, that 73 wins took a took a crap load out of them. Oh, it
0: did. No, there's no question about it. Um, to answer my own question, I'm going to go chalky as well. I I would I, I have uh,
1: it's between the Clippers yeah, I w- and I Lakers. I to pick your favorite. I, I,
0: it's, it's it's between the Lakers and the Clippers for me, and I'm just not going to pick the Lakers because I can't do it. I there's just I think there's so much bad juju around that team, and you know, go worry about Space Jam 2 Before we'll talk about you know seriously contending. Um. And I go back and forth. I can go back and forth. If if I had to, God, I hate to say this, but if I had to bet the mortgage, I'm, I, I, I think I might pick Boston
1: to to win the East. To
0: win the East. Wow.
1: I like. Really. I, I, I like. Over the Sixers. The Sixers are so much. They're more talented. so stacked. I, I mean, know. I know. I know Kemba's gonna come in. You're banking on Jason Tatum.
0: No, I'm ban- taking I'm, the
1: step I'm, he should have taken.
0: I'm banking on airing out the windows and letting the fart out of the room and opening things up that, that much more. I don't think... I, I'm banking on the addition by subtraction. I'm not... I've never been a big, big Kemba Walker guy. I think his game is as much intangibles as it is the thing that he brings on the court, and I think that's enough. I think if Brad Smart can't take them to the finals this year, then Brad Smart is not the coach we thought he was. Because now there's nothing Brad blocking... Excuse me, Brad Stevens. I f- keep fucking calling him Brad Smart. Brad Stevens. If Brad Stevens can't...
1: So Marcus Smart. T-
0: right. If he can't take them to the um, – push them in the right direction, conference now that he's gotten the, the anvil out of his room, the guy who's blocking everything, the signal jammer out of his room, um, I, I I I think we've we've overrated him as a coach or we've overthought him. Or he's just a really good regular season coach. That's just my, where I land on him. I think Philadelphia has too many questions to answer, and Milwaukee, I don't know if they have enough pl- after Giannis. Even recognizing Chris Middleton as an all-star. I think you got Pete Chris Middleton last year, and I don't know. You saw Pete Chris Middleton admittedly injured at the end of the year. Even with a third all-star-ish caliber player, they landed where they landed. Again, recognizing there was a ton of injuries. But even with a nice cohesive Well, their problem unit, is that
1: Eric Bledsoe mm. was MIA completely. Um, Boston, though, has—you're really banking on— So they have some record—Gordon Hayward has to go back to being all-star Gordon Hayward. And then they have no bigs. They have no bigs on their team, which I, think, I, I mean, really does. Oh wait, they have Taco Fall. Sorry, they're going to be totally fine.
0: I think we're going to get more um, of Gordon Hayward. I've, I've banged the drum from for quite I, some time. I think time you will. That you know, we've we judged him way, way too early from coming back from that injury.
1: Tatum and Brown need to step up. Kemba will be fine. They still have Marcus Smart. They're going to be a good team. They drafted Romeo Langford, who's going to be a pretty good role player. This. They just keep drafting good players.
0: And I think the spotlight, uh, as weird as this might to say, might be to say, is going to be off them. Because I think all like 85% oh, of the talk is going to be on L.A. And then even the East, you're still like, what does Toronto look like? What is the Philadelphia situation shaking out? And more importantly, even on top of that, everything is going to be by Giannis for the next two years. Boston will have the chance to, even with who they are and even with two max guys on their team, are still going to have the chance to fly under the radar.
1: Yeah, I mean, honest is the... the Front runner to win the MVP again next year. I don't think he will, just because the propensity for back-to-back MVPs, the voters just don't seem to go for that. So no. I don't think he will. Toronto absolutely is going to be competitive still. I mean, they still have Siakam, Lowry, Gasol, Ananobi, Ibaka. Um,
0: MVP comes from narrative, and the narrative about, about Giannis is already over, right? Like we know the right. narrative. You can't invent a new narrative for Giannis unless he starts avenging so himself.
1: The new narrative is going to be holy crap, Anthony Davis is carrying the Lakers. Exactly,
0: right? Like that's the narrative. That's, that's the narrative the- that the seeds that are already being planted.
1: 10 to 1 odds,
0: right? or it's not I, a bad I, bet. I think your Steph narrative, like the FU Steph, I think that's a great narrative right there, right? Um yeah. I think you can make an argument. I wouldn't it's not a good argument, but you can make like a Damian Lillard argument that he's, you know, he took all the momentum from last year's playoffs and the injury and used that to train himself and make himself even better this year, right? Like there is that narrative. There's Kawhi coming home narrative even though he's going to take away
1: too many games off. Or maybe Kawhi Paul will George not win home. the MVP.
0: Quite, Paul Neither George one kind
1: of them will MVP because th- th- they won't play enough games. Right.
0: Fair enough. You know, there's some But other... I do
1: like the Damian Lord.
0: So, like, I think th- there's those narratives that are in the ether. What if JoJo comes back, Joel Embiid comes back in, like, a ripped shape, I, which I'm not holding my breath on, right? Maybe he took the crying after the playoff loss, and he took it really seriously. And he's going to miss too many games too, but what if he doesn't? I think that narrative's there. So, while Giannis... I think it's going to be hard to take away the mantle of best singular player in the NBA away from him, even over guys like Kawhi and LeBron and things like that, just because of his sheer combination of talent. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't put him as my MVP, MVP frontrunner.
1: I wouldn't either, but what you did make a point of is there's a crap load of narratives, and this is going to be one of the most entertaining basketball seasons we've had in decades easily perhaps
0: since LeBron went to Miami
1: I mean there is no clear what even when LeBron went to Miami you Mm -hmm. went oh crap the Heat are just going to win the championship you can't tell me the Clippers are going to win the championship no I I don't want to bet on that I don't have a whole lot of confidence in that I think they could absolutely but I think the Lakers could I think the Bucks can I really don't think the 76ers can I think it's whoever comes out of the West
0: I think that remains static okay we could do this all evening if we really wanted to but I think that's a good spot to land it on. Thank you very much for your time, John. Um, thank you very much for everyone who's made it this far. As always, we're going to continue to have a ton of content coming out, both NFL-related, over the next few weeks as the season starts to kick off. But then, of course, plenty of NBA talk with the season starting, but a couple of months away. And I think preseason is really, really soon as well. I can't remember. My football brain is still completely on at this moment. but thank you once again for everyone for listening. If you haven't done so already, please make sure you follow us on SoundCloud if you are still on SoundCloud. Otherwise, subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And until then, we will talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the Hail for the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.